1: Hey weirdos, I'm Elena.
0: I'm Fred. <laughs> and this is morbid with a special guest, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, i mash. But <laughs> Alina might questionably be Lindsay Lohan right now because she has a newly experienced vocal fry. <laughs> Welcome to my entire life.
1: I'm assuming this is like air conditioning or something. My voice is just suddenly... Going full Lindsay Lohan.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I want a Lindsay Lohan voice, so I'm not mad at it. Also, before anybody says anything, you're going to hear some sizzling and some banging around in the back, because guess who's cooking us dinner again? That would be John. John. I feel like I just said that all (laughs) so fast. You did, but it was good. So John be cooking. So the husband did it.
1: But not what you think.
0: It's actually a really great (laughs) shirt. Uh, If you head on over to Murder Apparel's Instagram, it's at Murder Apparel. They have the link in their bio, and you can go to their website where there's some pretty cool fucking merch. Including the husband did it. And a morbid shirt. There's a morbid shirt there, guys. And guys, I don't know. I mean, I asked you guys on uh, our Instagram the other day, but for anybody that... Didn't see. If you guys would keep taking pictures of yourselves, because you're
1: so cute. You are. I just want to smoosh you.
0: <laughs> in your um, morbid t-shirts and tag us in Murder Apparel, that would be great, because we just like to see how cute you look. We and just love it. remember that when you get your shirt and any other shirt that you want other than the morbid one, at checkout you can use our code MORBID. M-O-R-B-I-D. For 25% off. That was very...
1: Like confident. Yeah. Liked it. I'm confident. She's confident, guys. Hey. <laughs> so, murderapparel.com, go do it. Do it. And there is one little thing I just want to mention before we dive into the man, the myth, the legend, the nightmare, the possible Boston Strangler question mark, question mark parentheses. Albert DeSalvo. Uh, something kind of bonkers, crazy, bananas, cuckoo nut man happens. <laughs> Uh, And it's not funny at all. I'm not laughing at this. But um, it happened in Utica, New York this weekend. And what happened was this beautiful 17-year-old girl named Bianca Devins was brutally murdered. Like,
0: brutally.
1: Now, there's a ton of wrong information and conflicting information floating around everywhere about it. So we're not going to get too far into this yet. We don't want to cover it yet because... Because of all the facts. conflicting information, but we we will be covering this more in depth. I don't know if we're gonna do like a full length episode on it
0: or a mini, mini a mini, 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 maybe
1: a bonus. I don't know, so there's a lot of information saying that he was her boyfriend, he was not uh it sounds like he was just obsessed with her, yeah, uh someone close to her family did describe him as a close family friend, okay. And what happened was he. I don't. I don't want to say the wrong lead up to it, so I'm just gonna say what they I know. Went to a concert. I'm not even gonna say that because I don't even. That's. I don't know. Like that's what I heard, but I don't. I feel bad perpetuating all this because I feel like their family's getting upset that like so many rumors are coming out. That must be so fucking. Difficult. So somehow they were together. They end up in the same place. And. He ended up murdering her brutally. I mean, he cut her throat so deeply that he nearly decapitated her. Reports were going around that he did decapitate her. He did not. That is false. Okay. But what's really messed up is he posted the photos to his Instagram, and they were shared a a ton of times.
0: Has his Instagram been taken down? Yeah, it has now. And
1: now people are trying to flood all of the – hashtags like RIP Bianca and all that Mm -hmm. they're trying to flood those hashtags that were sharing the photo with like pictures of puppies and stuff just to like get rid of those because that's it's I don't know sharing sharing those photos bums me out
0: I just think it's disrespectful
1: like I I happened to see the photo and I honestly wasn't looking for it yeah and I'm not honestly. I look for crime scene photos all the time. I'm not going to pretend I and don't. And I don't think
0: there's anything wrong with yeah. that. I'm just saying, like, putting it out there for people that don't want to see it. Yeah. And I like, and
1: I never would share it because you have no. to think of the family, man. Yeah,
0: it's not your. Yeah.
1: And would you
0: want someone sharing your like daughter, cousin, exactly. sister, brothers photo of them dead? Like, yeah, and it was a brutal, not brutal even photo. Just, I was going to say not even just like dead, like murdered, brutally yeah. murdered.
1: And this guy, um, I believe his name is Brandon Andrew Clark. He ended up slicing his own throat trying he to, to kill yeah. He did not succeed. And now he's in police custody, and that's really all we know at this point.
0: I'm glad that he didn't did not succeed because oh, I'm so I glad. want him to like rot in yeah. prison.
1: I am so glad. So yeah, we'll definitely be following that case. We'll let you guys know if we hear anything more, and we will be covering it at some point. So Without further ado, I think we should jump into part three of the Boston Strangler slash Stranglers. The final part, guys. The final countdown.
0: Of Of our hometown murder. Yeah. This is when we talk
1: about that dude. That bruh. That bruh. That man's. That dude you all know. Albert. DeSalvo. Oh man, no I'm just going to <laughs> just going to keep They're dragging like, Shut it out the fuck like, up. Get to the fucking case. <laughs> uh so I hate your banter. <laughs> I hate it. So when we last talked, which I know is was a little further out than we planned because of this vocal fry that I have developed. We were like, let's put it
0: off one night because no one's going to want to listen to that. And then she woke up like this again today. And I was like, let's give the people what they want.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to push this out too far. But sorry, guys. guys."
0: Don't get mad at her, please. Because she's powering through right now with some lemon ass
1: tea next to her. (laughs) I do. Elena is that bitch. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. That OG bitch. Uh, So when we last talked to you. The amazing detective Phil DiNatale. Yes. Who went, found the court records, found out that Albert DeSalvo was actually paroled during the Strangler murders when we all thought he was in prison. That crazy like whoa moment at the end. He had just figured this out and he had just found out that Albert DeSalvo was being held at Bridgewater State Hospital for the criminally insane in 19. And this was in 1965. So he had gotten his early release. The reason he didn't serve the full time for those measuring man yeah. crimes was he was able to convince the judge that he wasn't—he just wasn't a giant creepy weirdo anymore. Oh. He was like, no, I'm, He's it's like, fine. He's like a judge guy. Yeah. I, I grew out of that. He's like, it's fine. And he has this voice. It's, and I'm not going to be able to do it because of this, but it's his like really high pitched
0: if you played me a clip like of it he, really quick, I could do it.
1: Yeah, like he, he he literally talks like this, but he's got a Boston accent, so he's like, "Yeah." So I went in the apartment, and I saw a shelf on the left, and then she turned around, and I strangled her. Like she literally talks I wish like that. That.
0: <laughs> that you could all see Elena's face because I'm deeply <laughs> fucking disturbed at the face you just made while you did that. Because you, you, gotta get to do it. <laughs> I'm disturbed. I
1: am devoted to my craft, okay? Actually,
0: actually, you're disturbed. I'm devoted.
1: That's all. Devoted and disturbed. Put that on the shirt, Yes, devoted and disturbed. (laughs) So let's talk about Albert DeSalvo, shall we? Because if anybody was made to become a monster, Albert DeSalvo was made to become a monster.
0: Oh, this is going to bum me out times
1: a million. Yeah, so this is a bummer. He was born on September 3rd, 1931 in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Oh, shit he was one of five and his father who was a fisherman was a wife and child beating alcoholic piece of sadistic garbage phenomenal yeah off to a great start yeah we're doing nothing nothing crazy so far totally not um <laughs> he was so vicious in fact that he was said to have knocked out all of his wife's teeth oh my god and bent her fingers back until huh. they broke huh. in front of their children uh. and when I say bent his her fingers back, oh my God, stop! He knocked her teeth out, nope, nope. knocked her unconscious nope. in front of his children, nope, and then one by one broke all oh ten my of God, her fingers. Oh my God. I just went into paralysis mode. He also made his children line up to watch this, literally, like line was like up? line up while I beat the shit out of your wife, your what mother. What
0: yeah. happened
1: to you, dude? He's a who, true demon. Who hurt you? True demon. What the fuck His also his father also made he and his siblings and his wife watch as he would bring home sex workers <gasps> and have sex with them in front of everybody I don't in the like family that um and he also would abuse sex workers so by the time Albert was 12 he was arrested he had already been arrested for robbery assault and battery and when they were, I mean, he had them. He, the father, had all of these kids stealing by like age four. What? Like he taught them is all wrong to be with this guy. Yeah, he's literally a demon. And if this wasn't bad enough, when when Albert was young, his father literally sold him and two of his sisters to a farmer for labor. That's like
0: Charlie Manson's mom when she sold him for a fucking pitcher of beer. Did you I write that? I literally have that right there. Oh my there. god, I yes. wasn't even
1: looking at your thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he, he literally sold a la Charlie Manson. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So weird that weird. Yeah. Right? Weird coincidence. Yeah. Basically, Albert was shaped by a man who literally drilled into his brain that women were useless unless being harmed or used for sex. Yep. And he gave him a cl- complete disregard for women from the jump. It's also said that um, Albert's first sexual encounter no. was with his own sister.
0: I got to go. My ride's here. My yeah. Uber is waiting.
1: Don't, Bye. Lo- don't love it. Bye. Don't love it. This has been a great podcast. It Five has. stars. But I do not love it. <laughs> and by teaching them from like age four to yeah. steal, he was basically teaching them, take what you want when you want it. Yeah. If you want something, you take it. You figure out how to get it. That's it. And it's not like, go, live your dreams. Take them by the balls and go, like, yay, motivation. Go, yay. Like, you know. (laughs) Is that what you're going to teach your kids? This isn't like that motivational poster where the cat's hanging off a tree and it's like, hang in there. It's like, no. He's literally telling them, like, hurt people to get what you want. Yeah, like, like, fuck everybody. And and take who you want. Women, take them. Gross. So this is just what was in his brain. And this obviously shaped how DeSalvo looked at women forever. He took them when he wanted them. Ugh. If, if I mean, even if he isn't the strangler, he did do the measuring man crimes. Right. And the green man crimes. And
0: he at least did like one or two of these, we know.
1: It, it, well, and that's the thing. He's definitely tied to the Mary Sullivan murder, right. the last one. So he definitely was part of it. And the pathology matches with the crimes he later is said to have committed, because if he was the Boston Strangler, then he was likely starting out with older women because it was easier. Right. So he could get what he wants easy. Gross. And then he was getting good at it, and that's when he moved on to the younger victims.
0: About how old was he when this all started?
1: Um, he was in his 20s. Ew. Yeah. In his I, I want to say like mid to late 20s. And he and of course, if he is the Boston Strangler, one of them, he had to build up his confidence during these crimes by going from older to younger. Yeah. Because he was not inherently a confident person, thanks to his upbringing of being abused and sold by his own father. You're clearly not going to have this like great self-esteem.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So he probably needed to build it up. It's pretty fucking easy to create a killer and a monstrous human being.
0: Yeah, I mean, step one, just be a shitty parent. Literally. Step two, sell your kids. Yeah. Step three, leave them.
1: Well, all it takes is for you to be a neglectful, abusive, and hateful human being who gives your children zero love, zero appropriate affection, and also fills their developing brains with hate and violence. It's very easy. Just be a shitty person and teach your kids to be shitty I people. mean, yeah. There is a research paper that I found really interesting, and it's also a book by Leonard Schengold, and it's called Soul Murder, The Effects of Childhood Abuse and Deprivation. I love the term soul murder. Yeah, I like that a lot. First, great band name. Totally. Second, (laughs) it is basically saying... That a parent doesn't have to physically kill their child to murder them. Through abuse and neglect, they commit soul murder and essentially murder who the child is or who they could have been at their core.
0: That was some Buddhist
1: shit. I'm saying. Right there. So do not commit soul murder.
0: No. On, on anyone. Your damn kids. Or on anyone. Especially kids. You can soul murder your significant other. Yeah. You could soul murder... Anyone. But, like, don't do
1: it to your kids. Don't do it to anyone. Because when you do it to your kids, they're still developing, and they'll go kill everybody. So don't do that. Choose other things in life. There's a lot of other paths. (laughs) Uh, So at 17 years old, Albert joined the military. He joined the army. He was honorably discharged after his first tour of duty because he was court-martialed for disobeying orders.
0: Can you imagine also probably the shit that he then saw in the
1: military? Yeah, because then he re-enlisted. Oh, and he served as military police sergeant with the 2nd Squadron, 14th Armored Cab- Cavalry Regiment.
0: That meant nothing to me.
1: But it sounds... Fancy. Pretty cool. Sure. I'm not no, gonna lie. It, Oh, it does. Um, and um, any of our listeners who are in the military, like, by all means, tell me what that means. Yes. Pl- no, seriously, tell us. Because um, I think one of our recent reviews said that they hate when we say we don't know what something means. So I'm sorry that I don't know what everything in the entire world means. (laughs) Someone let me know because I'm always down to learn. Because I'm a nerd. That thinks I'm funny. Thank you and good night. So during his time serving in the military, he was stationed in Germany. And that's where he met his future wife. He was murdered? Oh, he was. And wait until you're, you're thinking something totally different. Just wait until you hear what their marriage was like. Was it a beautiful, profound marriage? I'm saying so tell me his future wife was a German girl named Ermgard Beck and he brought her back with him to the US and they married in
0: 1953
1: okay so in 1955 while he was posted at Fort Dix in New Jersey he was charged this is pretty rough he was he was charged with molesting a nine-year-old girl oh and he was still honorably discharged in 1956 okay so that was charged but nothing, nothing came, came out of it. it. But that's just,
0: you know. I mean, I believe it happened. It's a pretty
1: that's a pretty rough charge. Quite the allegation. Weirdly, he was described by all who knew him as a loving and devoted family man. The fuck? <laughs> According to the Boston Stranglers, which is the book I mentioned, I think, last uh, part by Susan Kelly, um, he had two kids with his wife, Judy and Michael. And his family members all say he was a doting father, a doting uncle to his nieces and nephews, and they all remember him fondly.
0: Weird. As like some fuck. of
1: them still have like forts that he built that led them when they were kids. Wow. Like he was like a doting family member. And he never laid a hand on his wife. Well, and, and his reasoning for this was he said, I would, I'm not going to be my father. But you were in a different way. But that's the thing. He chose not to do it in his own family, but he acted it out somewhere else. I got to look
0: up his star sign. Keep talking.
1: (laughs) He was definitely doing the exact opposite of what his father would do in his family life. But then in his criminal life, he was worse. So uh, when it comes to his wife, he was apparently very devoted. And according to her and according to everyone around them, he treated her like gold.
0: That's so... I'm so confused by that. Now,
1: unfortunately, one thing about Albert is he did have a voracious and, and pretty scary sexual appetite. I mean, duh. Like, to the point where, like, he couldn't, he had trouble handling the wait to have sex after Ermgard would give birth to their children. <sighs> like, it would make him mad that he had to wait. What? Yeah. And he would find it, he would, like, become withdrawn and, like, depressed. Couldn't so he handle was, like, it. addicted. And she said he wanted to have sex, like, six times a day.
0: What the actual fuck? And
1: obviously, even if she wanted to, she was like, no, I do not, because I am a human being who does not want to I do that.
0: I am fucking tired and I have things like to that's, do.
1: She literally was like, I had a family to raise and, like, other right. things to do. So they they divorced way later down the line. But again, it's it was all kind of, like, weirdly chill.
0: That's very strange. Like, I'm
1: sure there were instances of him being, I'm sure he wasn't, like, perfectly even-tempered their entire time. No, I doubt it. But in general, there was nothing crazy to report besides his really scary sexual appetite, which is scary. He's a Virgo. I don't know anything about that. I don't either.
0: I, I wanted him to be a Gemini. Did you? Because Why? In, <laughs> well, because in my mind, he sounded like a Gemini.
1: Aren't you a Gemini?
0: Yes. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but not, like that. No, not sounded, like that. No, not like that. No, not like that. I'm not that kind of Gemini. It sounded like he just had like well, also like dual like, personality. Yeah, but like yeah. also a lot of
1: serial killers have that. That's true. So. That's kind of like a thing. Yeah. yeah, So, so the reason he was in Bridgewater when Phil Natalie came upon him, yes, was. He was arrested in connection with another series of insults of assaults, not the measuring man. <laughs> assaults and insults of insults. He was just real rude.
0: You're ugly.
1: He was like, Say "You're it in
0: his voice.
1: yo, you stinky." <laughs> 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 and you would do that, and people were like, "That's rude, Albert." <laughs> I'm with my kids too much. Oh, that's funny. Um, you stink. Yes, yo, you you're stinky. <laughs> That got weird. Uh, So, yeah. So he was arrested in in Bridgewater for a whole different series of assaults. Wow. Not the measuring man one. So now he was arrested in in Bridgewater for being the green man.
0: What's that? Which, like. Oh, shit. I remember from part two, someone was like they were. He was outside of the building and he had these green pants on.
1: Fuck. The green man. Fuck. And it's like, get a new shtick. Like, you've, you've been the measuring man. You've done it. How about become, like, anything else except for another man?
0: But like, also, why, are like always, branch out? why was he always wearing green?
1: Well, that's the thing. Okay, so there is a reason for that. Oh. So, he was arrested for the green man shit on November, in November of 1964, which was about 10 months after the last Strangler murder. He'd been in Bridgewater because he was being psychologically evaluated after his arrest due, because they were basically like, holy shit, this dude keeps being a fucking creep. Let's see if what's something's going on wrong up with there. him. Yeah, something's got to be off here. So, the green man, like we said, was so called because he wore green jumpsuits. They were kind of like workman's clothes. Okay. Like um, people often related it to something a mechanic would wear. His modus operandi was to break in or talk his way into a single woman's home. And once in, he would molest her. Ew. He would often fondle her chest area and her pubic region. Uh-huh. Now, the way he would get in there is he would always pretend to be a repairman. I'm here. The superintendent of the building sent me. We there's a leak. We have to I have to fix it. And the it was answer always to that, that is always
0: mm, he didn't call me. Bye. Exactly.
1: It's always like I don't see any leak. Bye. So come back when I'm not here. Thanks. One woman had said to him. While he was assaulting her, she, which I was like, what a badass bitch. What'd she say? She goes, if your mother could see you, wouldn't she be ashamed?
0: Oh, which yes, I was like, girl. Yeah. But with some people, I feel like that would make well, them even angrier. and he
1: said, yes, she would. And he peaced out of there. Wow. So there was, like, mommy's shit He's in He's like, there.
0: you know what, Sally? He's like, you
1: know yes. She would be ashamed.
0: What am I doing?
1: Well, and this is why I don't recommend you bring up these fuckers' moms in these scenarios should you ever find yourself in an awful scenario. Chances are they have serious mama issues, and it's like a 50-50 shot that it's either going to fuck him up and make him cry and leave, or he will just straight up kill you.
0: Yeah, because it, it will be like... I just
1: don't love those odds. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think it's a good idea just to throw that out there because... No.
0: I'm glad it worked for this I'm gl- particular hey, woman. And you know what?
1: She was probably just thinking like
0: anything. Yeah,
1: and she probably was just thinking it. Like your mother would be ashamed of you, bitch. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> I would bitch. think that. i just like, "But just be, you know." Well, and it's these dudes that do these kind of things often have like mama issues. Oh, yeah. So it's it's hard to go there. Like now, if you said
0: that to Ted Bundy, I literally think he would bash your skull in. Yeah.
1: He he had some he had a little bit of a mama issue there. So the green man was prolific, by all accounts. He, he wasn't murdering, but he was a prolific sexual predator. Gross. Um, he was officially tried only for four women, but police say the number could be well over 300 women. Whoa. All over Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. Wow. Yeah. So when DeSalvo was in Bridgewater... He connected with a fellow inmate named George Nasser. George Nasser was in there as well for being for but he was in there for murder. Oh good. Um they like connected somehow. And it current you know just shit hanging out. Now currently George Nasser is still in the State Correctional Institute in Shirley, Massachusetts, and he's in his eighties. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's interesting.
1: And he and he like gives interviews about this shit. So DeSalvo ended up really trusting Nasser and actually spent a whole day after getting to know him and talking to him about like the crimes that he was willing to admit he did like the green man crimes and the measuring man crimes. Mm -hmm. He finally took one full day and confessed to him that he was the Boston Strangler. Oh, wow. And he told him specifically about how he was able to disarm his victims initially because of holds he learned while boxing and wrestling in the army oh jesus christ yeah. and what he really stressed to Nasser was that he was needing his help confessing to these crimes to because he wanted to make money off the story
0: but you can't
1: well because it was so sensationalized in the media he was concerned about his wife and children like that was the main issue at the time okay was he and his wife had been married 15 years at this point and their children, Michael, I think Michael was five and Judy was ten. Oh, wow. He said he wanted to get a ton of money for his story so his family would be provided for while he went to prison for the murders.
0: Here's what I'm going to tell you, Albert. <clears throat> your family would have been fine if you just went to work and made the money.
1: You know, that's a very... I fixed the problem. That's innovative. I, yes. That's impressive. Thanks. I I like where your head's at. I mean, yeah. pure society. But he didn't think of that. I know. Weirdly enough, Ugh. and and basically, um, so he was like, Yo, Nasser, I need a good lawyer. And also, do you think I can get a book deal and movie deal out of this? And Nasser was like, You just might, because I have a really good lawyer named Effley oh, Bailey.
0: Effley Bailey.
1: Yes. He Effley Bailey is pretty well known for representing O.J. Simpson.
0: That name sounded super
1: familiar. Yeah, that's one of the biggest ones. And I'm not going to say anything about O.J. Simpson because that fucker's out of jail and he's on Twitter. So moving on. (laughs) I don't
0: want to even go in there. But someone today said something about um, on the the Facebook page, they were like, drink apple juice because O.J. will kill you. (laughs) Or like something like that. It was really funny like orange juice.
1: Orange juice, because it's so acidic. Yes. <laughs> That's it will, what it kill, is. Your it will kill your windpipe. kill your windpipe. And pipe. moving on. So, F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> so March 5th was when Di Natale went to Bridgewater State Hospital with full intention to uh, finally interrogate DeSalvo. Because Phil Di Natale did all that legwork. And he was like, he, I'm here. He cracked it wide open. Here I am. He was ready. He's like, now I'm going to sit down with this fucker. I'm going to interrogate the shit out of him because Phil Di Natale was a really good interrogator, too. He was skilled in this. This is a
0: fun fucking story
1: when we get to the picking it up part, figuring it out. So he's like, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get in his head. I'm going to get him
0: They say time waits for no one, and in my opinion, neither should Payday. To keep your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earnin'. Earnin' is the app that's helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. It's an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid in your next paycheck. I think earnin' is helpful in so many different ways. You could get ready for like a special night out. You know, Valentine's Day, I think it was on like a Tuesday. What if your payday's Friday? No worries. If you have earnin', you can pay for that Valentine's Day dinner. So download earnin' today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the earnin' app, type in morbid under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Morbid under podcast. Subject to your available earnings location, daily max, and pay period. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Download
1: the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm
0: Yes, Phil.
1: And he was also like, while I'm there, I'm going to get some physical evidence from him as well. He was looking to get palm prints and some hair from him because okay. he was like, we do have some of those things. Yeah. When he got there, the prison officials were like, no, you can't come in here. Why? And he was like, excuse me, why? And they were like, oh, Effley Bailey showed up the day before. No. And you're no longer permitted to see DeSalvo without his permission. You're shitting me. One day before he got there. Phil. One day.
0: Phil.
1: Poor Phil.
0: That must have been the most frustrating thing. I'm
1: horrified for him. Me too. Now, when Bailey sat down with DeSalvo, Effley Bailey, when he had sat down with him, He, DeSalvo admitted to 11 strangler murders and then said, oh, I also did two more that the police don't know are connected to that. Okay. The 13. Um, So, so 13 altogether. He gave details. He also insisted that he really didn't have a lot of insight into why he went on this spree of killings, which is something he maintained the whole time was he was like, I don't know why I did it.
0: That's weird.
1: Like, he could never give this to fit. And he even said he was like, I would love to know. Like, I want to know why.
0: He just couldn't help himself. And. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. But that's such a bad reason. Oh,
0: I mean, obviously. Yeah. But.
1: But he, he, like the psychology of it, he wanted to be studied. Like, he wanted to know.
0: It, it's almost like, um, Ed Kemper.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Like he, yeah, he was, it really he was is. was like, I don't
0: know. I just had to, like. It's yeah, he just was like, I did.
1: someone tell me why. <laughs> But um, so a guy named Dr. William J. Bryan was a hypnotist from L.A. And F. F. Lee Bailey had worked with this guy before. Okay. And he wanted this guy to hypnotize DeSalvo. He thought by hypnotizing him and putting him in that state that whatever was locked in his brain about the case, it would be brought out. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't know it because he felt he was like holding back things. I mean, yeah, I don't. So and and of course, he was like, let's do this, like, super out there thing. So this guy, Dr. William J. Bryan came to Bridgewater to do it. And he started getting DeSalvo into this like trance like state, however they do it. Yeah, like he did the finger thing.
0: Sure.
1: Once he had him in that state, that trance, it was literally like the sunken place from Get Out.
0: Oh fuck that!
1: Like he said, he told him to sink deep down, which freaks me out. I'm like, like I don't want to sink deep down. And then he told him to rip pages off the calendar from March to September 1963. Okay. Which like leads up to the killing. Right. He told him when he gets there, he was like, stop. And this is when Evelyn Corbin was killed. The date that he told him to stop on, Uh and nobody knows why he picked Evelyn Corbin. He just did. He just picked that one. Okay. So DeSalvo described the entire scene. Wow. He said, quote, I walked in the front door and the buzzer rang. I opened the door and I walked down the corridor all the way to the left, moved open the door and I talked to her. So the doctor asked him to tell him what she said. And DeSalvo said that she said, who sent you? Who sent you?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Which I'm like, oh, no. No and he did. said that he told her, the superintendent, that's something wrong. There's something wrong with your bathroom. I got to check it out. And she replied, Oh, just a second now. I'm going to church. Then he said, I walked in and she walked in with me. She took me into the bathroom to the right. And when she went in, she turned her back to me and I put a knife to her throat. Later, he said, I took her over to the bed and she said she can't do nothing. The doctor told her no. She said, please don't hurt me, please. I told her I won't hurt her. The doctor asked if he wanted to hurt her. And DeSalvo said, no, I didn't want to hurt her. And then some more through some more coaching, he started making this, like he started drifting away from this scene. Yeah. And they were getting into like, like he said, he wasn't trying to lead him anywhere else, but he was starting to float somewhere else in his mind. Uh huh. So he just let him because he was like, who knows what we're going to find. And he said he started making this motion with his hands, like he was closing and opening something.
0: Like tying the bow?
1: No, like he was holding his hands and he would like put them together, then pull them apart, put them together, then pull them apart. Okay. And this was determined afterwards to be legs, but not how you think. Like opening knees and closing knees. Okay. Someone else's knees. Now what we're thinking obviously is like he's a rapist. Like He's thinking of opening someone's legs. No. His daughter, Judy, was born with terrible hip dysplasia that DeSalvo often had to do physical therapy with her for. And he would have to help her forcibly open her legs and close them. That was the physical therapy. And he did it for her.
0: That's kind of gross because he was like a rapist. But
1: that's the crazy thing is that's your immediate thought. But this is when he started to get emotional and cry. So they stopped the session. Because he said – he told them this physical therapy he had to do for her made her so – really upset because it hurt. Yeah. She had horrible hip dysplasia. Yeah. And he said – he often said that this, like, really messed with him because he said the fact that I was harming her even though I was trying to help her, like, I never want to harm my children.
0: That's so... His mind right? is so weird to me.
1: Exactly. And so she did end up getting better with time through this therapy. Like, yeah. it helped, oh, like, get her hip dysplasia under control. Uh huh. And he ended up telling the doctor that this made him see that sometimes you have to hurt people to help them.
0: But he wasn't helping these women.
1: Like, that's But stupid. that's the thing. So the doctor was like, I think in his mind, he thinks pain equals... Something good on the other end.
0: I don't know. I feel like that's a very.
1: But either way, the fact that he came out with this, that sometimes you need to hurt people to help them. That's so. That's I, weird I just, psychology. That is
0: weird. I feel like I just can't put my brain yeah. in that Well, place. I
1: good. <laughs> yeah. Um, the doctor kept. So during this session, while they were going through this, he the doctor kept trying to shock him into a memory by putting together this idea that he was talking about hurting to help with why he killed all these women. So apparently the transcript says after that, that when this was happening, that DeSalvo suddenly like screamed loudly and then pushed the doctor like clear across the room and started choking him. Oh, great. And the doctor just, they said the doctor was like super chill and just said sleep and DeSalvo collapsed on the floor. Well, that must have been wild to right? see. Right? And there's no, like, um, recording of this, but there are transcripts. That's so wild. Detective Bottomley. You might remember him from the Strangler Task Force from Part 2, I believe.
0: hmm
1: He was the guy that was just, like, the head of that. Right. He had DeSalvo look through a bunch of—because after he came out with these confessions that I'm the Strangler— he had him look through a bunch of photos of women and identify the women he killed. Okay. Like, some women he who weren't the victims were in there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, how they just do that. To prove. Apparently, he did really well, but they recognized that this could have been because he might have seen the women's photos in newspapers before. Right. So, then there was one photo that kind of changed things because he stopped and said, Now, this one here, it bothers me. And when they said, It bothers you, he said... Very much. I'm not sure if it could be, but is it Nina Nichols? Now, this was significant because she was the only victim whose photo had never been in the newspaper. And this photo he was looking at was from when she was much younger. Oh. And he said, quote, she was frail and her hair was a lot grayer than it is here. Yeah, sure. This is her, okay. But she's a lot older. Which. Wow. Wow. Which everybody, I, people, you might have just heard my dog snore, by the way.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: She's walked in the room and literally snarfed she and collapsed like, on a chair. Hey,
0: your podcast is boring. <laughs> Fuck off.
1: So he was looking at a much younger photo of her and was still able to go like, no, she was older. Yeah. When her photo was never published in the newspaper.
0: So, I don't know. I mean, that proves a lot.
1: I mean, that's impressive. Um, he identified all 11 that the police knew about. Okay. Because again, the police didn't connect the other two. And a few more? Well, this is when Bottomley asked him to go through all the murders in detail so they could match the facts. Okay. I'm only going to give you a couple of what he said. These are his like official confessions. So he said on June 14th, he had that day off from work and he told his wife he was going fishing. Instead, he drove to Boston. He said, quote, I just drove in and out of streets and ended up where I ended up. He said he walked after parking his car somewhere. And he had a weight in his pocket from his fishing kit and literally just chose a random building. Oh, God. He walked into number 77 and he exp- he explained, like, what the number 77 looked like. It was, like, embellished and shit. Uh-huh. Um, and he stopped in front of apartment 3F. This was where Anna Slessers lived. He told her he was the maintenance man sent by the super and she let him in. Uh-oh. Uh, He said she led him through the apartment and showed him things that needed, like a couple of little things that needed repair. Because she was like, oh, if you're the maintenance man, Like, you can fix this. And when she turned to go to the bathroom, he said he hit her on the head with the weight. He said, quote, blood was all over me, on my jacket and shirt. So when I left, I grabbed a raincoat that was hanging in the cabinet and put it on. Now, Bottomley had got a replica of Anna Slessor's Raincoat from her daughter, who mm-hmm. had the exact same one. Oh wow! Because they, I guess her daughter had bought her that raincoat, so they could have matching raincoats. Stop! I know
0: that's pure. So
1: fuck. it was literally the exact same raincoat. Yeah. Bottomly got that, and he hung it in the interrogation area. And DeSalvo, without prompting, grabbed it and said, "This is the coat." Okay. So after he had hit her on the head, he said he pulled the sash of her robe, her night or like a bathrobe, and tightened it around her neck. Now some of the details that he gave that are like kind of impressive for this, um, he described where the rooms were, like to the left, to the right, all that. Mm-hmm. He said there was a brown sewing machine. The drapes he said were very pretty, and okay. so was the bathroom set or the bedroom set that was light tan. He said there was a tan record player with a darker color on it as well. And these were all true. Okay. So he then said he drove to an Army Navy store and after taking off the raincoat and shirt and shredding it, he walked shirtless into the store to buy a shirt. Weird. And apparently no one
0: (laughs) thought anything of that.
1: After getting a shirt, he said he drove to some marshy, swampy area and he threw the bloody clothes, like the raincoat and the shirt. Into the water. Okay. And he made sure they, like, went down. Yep. So for the murder of Helen Blake, he had told his wife that he was headed out on a job. He drove to Lynn where she lived and picked a random building again mm-hmm. where Helen Blake lived. He said after he had killed Helen Blake, he wasn't done. So after just, he said, I, I wasn't done after killing just one woman. Wow. So he drove around again, and that's when he came upon Nina Nichols' home. He said he talked his way into this one, too. Same with Helen Blake. Same kind of story. He said that as soon as she turned around, something exploded in him. He said it was the back of her head and not her face that set him off somehow. Weird. And he kept saying that. Like, he kept saying, whenever the woman would turn around... That's when I would like some little massive explosion would go on in my head. That's
0: very interesting. Yeah,
1: he has a very weird pathology. Yeah. And he said, quote, as for the reason why I did them, I cannot give you no answer.
0: I can't give no answer. I can't give you
1: no answer. So the Ida Erga murder. uh, Ida Erga was the... Ukrainian woman, she, she originally was from the Ukraine. She, like, escaped, like, war-torn oh, area yep, yep, yep. early on, immigrated to the States, moved to Boston. She was very careful. She would never let anyone in without, like, they were really worried about that because they were like, she never would have let somebody in. She's very careful. Right. Uh, and she had, like, grandchildren. She was like, oh. yeah. So for the Ida Erga murder, he ran four different bells that day. And he said, someone let him up. So he just banged on doors and he said, whoever answered first was the one.
0: Wow. That's
1: I'd, I'd answered the door. Oh. So again, he used the maintenance man thing and he did say that she didn't seem to trust him. And this lines up with how her family said she was. Right. He said that she immediately said, quote, but I don't know who you are. And he said, quote, if you don't want it done, forget it. I'll just tell them you told me you don't want it done. And he said he went to turn her away, and that's when she said, whatever, like, come on in.
0: Oh, God! So he was
1: ready to go to another Oh, my thing. God. That hurts my I heart. I know. That hurts me. He said he told her he had to check all the windows in the apartment. They went into the bedroom, and it was over for her as soon as she turned around. Oh. Now, December 5th, he remembered, because he said it was he and his wife's wedding anniversary. Jesus Christ. He left home, and he went trolling. And there was a woman who answered the door of a random building, and he told her he had to paint or something. He told her, like, the super had sent him to paint something. Yeah. The woman was weirded out, so she made up a story and said – she made up and said her husband was home. And she was like, I'm just going to go ask my husband if he wants it done. Right. And Albert was like, bye, and left. So this was when he found Sophie Clark. Was she? Which one was she? She was the young African American woman who was writing the letters. The first of the young women. Okay. And this does match up with the story that was told in the Sophie Clark murder. That somebody said, "I did see a guy in green pants." Okay. Who he came to my building. Okay. Or he came to my apartment. Now he tried to talk his way into the Sophie Clark to Sophie Clark's apartment, just like the others. But at first she was like, "Nope." And he said, quote, she didn't want to let me in because her roommates weren't there, but they would be home shor- shortly. She said they were taking a course across the street at the YWCA. and she was waiting for them. So this is when he said he turned into the modeling agency guy because oh. the maintenance man thing wasn't going to work. And she let him in. She He said she seemed really scared and nervous and he, like, he liked getting in and knowing these women were questioning whether they should have let him in. Right. Like he liked that moment on their face where they were like, fuck, did, like, should I have let this guy in here? Because he it, just liked, he liked that. scaring them. Yeah, he just liked scaring them. And he asked her to turn around because he was like, let me see your figure. Oh, God. So he asked her to turn around. And when she did, he got her. Um, they asked if there was anything weird about the scene when he left. And he said, "Quote: Yes, I went to another room and there was some cigarettes in there. Don't know if they were luckies or what. They fell on the floor. I knocked him on the floor. At the scene, they found a pack of Marlboros on the floor. Oh, he also correctly said that she was on her period, and that was not in the press. Okay. So, uh, so after all the confessions, which were like sixty plus hours in the end. Wow. Yeah." The tapes of these would go to Phil Di Natale and his team. They would all look at each confessed detail and they would literally fact check to see first if it fit. Mm -hmm. And then they would go through newspapers, autopsy reports, police reports, media of any kind to see if it was anywhere in there that he could have pulled those from. Right. So it was necessary to make sure he didn't pull from anywhere but his own recollections. So Dean Natale set up charts that would say like the victim, then it would say a detail that Albert gave, and then it would say whether it was true, and then it would say whether the information was available anywhere or not. Okay, like he it was all wow. yeah. That's so a they were system really and a half. yeah. They were going like bit like literally with a fine tooth comb. Now this is where some of his shit he got wrong makes it a little fish, fishy because. A lot of what he got wrong were things that weren't available to the public. Okay, Like he would get a detail wrong and it was like, yeah, because that wasn't published.
0: Right, right, right. So
1: you wouldn't have known that. Right. And at one point... But all the
0: things he got right were very like...
1: <laughs> well, exactly. Of course, that doesn't... It's Everything is not always what it seems. Okay. So hang tight. Go ahead. Uh, at one point, he asked bottomly, the head of the Strangler Task Force... What the police and people thought of him, like how they felt towards him. Okay. And so, so he bottomly was like, "Wait, you want to know like what the police think of you?" And he was because like, "I well, think you're a scumbag." And he was like, "What do you think of me?" And he was like, "Okay." So he goes, "Quote." Well, I think you're tragic. It's a tragedy. I don't know any other way to put it. You killed people, and you don't know why. I don't know why. You've been under investigation since November. So even before you decided to talk, I knew a lot about you. I knew about your family. I knew about your relations with your wife. I knew that your neighbors thought you were a fine family, that you were a wonderful man. You're a paradox. You're a contradiction. Damn. Which I was like, damn. Go in on them. So Albert really was correct in a lot of his details. But he would give these details that only... in. He would give these details that only someone at the scene would be able to give. And then he would mess up super simple things.
0: Maybe just to fuck with them. Like
1: very minute details he would have. And then like simple shit. You'd be like, no, that's wrong. Like Like that's a very. So so like one of the things he said that he stabbed somebody and then he took the knife and he threw it in a swamp. Okay. When they found the knife in the kitchen sink. Okay. And he was like, "What? You didn't throw that in a swamp?" Like what yeah, are you why talking would you about? Even bother yeah, it's like that. shit like that that you're like, "No. Like that doesn't work." And at the time, the attorney general and people hearing these things were super impressed by all he knew. Yeah. Because but but now we look at this stuff and you can see that there were big issues here in his confessions. One being that they didn't allow Phil Natale to be the guy to interrogate him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because, like I said before, Phil Natale was super adept at criminal interrogation, and he just wouldn't have made the huge mistakes that Bottomley made that do compromise these confessions. What
0: mistakes are those?
1: So, number one, Bottomley asked a ton of leading questions. Mm -hmm. Like, this is interrogation, investigation, no, no, numero uno, is you don't say things like, so then you went in that bedroom. Oh, because then... You just gave him the answer. Right. So then so so then you tied a scarf around her neck. Right. Yeah. That's what I did. You know what right. I mean? Like, like it's, you're, you're, you're already giving information. Him. Yeah. He also showed De crime scene photos.
0: Okay. Well that's how he was able to describe exactly. the room. Exactly.
1: Because we find out later Does he have a Albert DeSalvo memory? has a photographic memory. Oh come on, sis. Exactly. And he also suggested the answers to his own questions. Like, for example, he would say in one, like, actual in the transcript, he says, quote, after you had intercourse with her, you went into the kitchen, you got a knife, and you tried to get into that chest? And he says, yes. And then bottomly would say, quote, was this before or after you had intercourse with her? And he'd go, after Well, you just gave him that answer. Right. Like you just said that. You just started off by saying after you had intercourse with her, you went and did this. Yes. Was that before or after? After. You just gave him that answer. Right. Like he's not an idiot. Like this dude's clearly like, he's got something out there. So, on top of the issues with Bottomley's interrogation skills, DeSalvo just got some details wildly incorrect, like we talked about. He would say he threw a murder weapon away somewhere in like a swamp and then it would be found in a fucking sink. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Then that Army-Navy store he claimed he went shirtless into, yeah that didn't exist. The store didn't? store didn't exist. Couldn't find an Army-Navy store around where he said he was. What? Yeah. And DeSalvo also claimed, which this is a big one. DeSalvo claimed he raped all of the first elderly women victims. Uh-huh. But we know from our two other episodes about this that they had all been raped with objects and not a physical body.
0: And that's not something that was in the newspapers. Exactly.
1: This is huge because he this, this part of the case that he got wrong is huge because this was also, like we said, not in any newspaper. So there's no way... He it makes sense if he wasn't at the scene that he, he would have, have said thought this.
0: that they were just regularly like
1: raped. and you don't forget that you didn't you, yeah yeah you yeah. don't forget that so also his motive he didn't have one he couldn't come up with one right he couldn't really and then like we mentioned earlier he has a photographic memory
0: that is just crazy so to me.
1: it's like. Now, one of the biggest things people say about DeSalvo is that he was a huge braggart. Like they were like, he bragged. Yeah, like he bragged about everything. He overinflated everything, which Uh makes sense when you think about how he grew up. Right. Of course, he's going to overinflate everything in his life. He bragged a ton about these murders and crimes to other inmates, and he would be like bragging about it. And then he would cry in his interrogations when talking about them.
0: Right.
1: So it sounds like he was just like a little turd. And I I think he liked his Measuring Man name and his Green Man name. Like he liked being named for something.
0: Right. Like I'm
1: known for something. I'm infamous. But
0: it's not a good thing, Albert.
1: So he figured, why not add Boston Strangler to this? Now, according to Susan Kelly, who wrote that book that I've sourced a couple times, he had the notion in his mind that he wouldn't go to prison for this, but instead he would go to Johns Hopkins Hospital and be studied by some of the greatest doctors from all over the world. So
0: that's why he went along with yeah, all of this. Yeah,
1: exactly. So he thought he was going to become this prized study specimen. And his lawyer, F. Lee Bailey, had arranged the deal so that he could confess but would never face the death, death penalty. Oh, shit. So she, he knew he wasn't going to be put to death. Yep. So he was like, all right, they're going to put me in the hospital and study me. She also, um, Susan Kelly also says that despite it all, he really did want to support his wife and kids. So the book deal he was hoping to score was a good incentive to just confess to confess to random shit. Oh, no. Because he was like, I just want them to get money. Now I'm stressed. So in Janu- on January 10th, 1967, uh, DeSalvo was set to go to court in Middlesex Superior Court in Cambridge for the green man crimes okay. of sexual assault. Yep. He committed so many of those crimes that the way he was caught for them as the green man was that he went to an address to attack a woman and didn't realize he had already gone to that address and attacked her before.
0: Oh, God. And the
1: woman was like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. You already assaulted me. Like, are you kidding me? What the fuck? And she called the police and boom, he was arrested. Jesus. So his rape trial was a media circus because everybody knew he confessed to the Boston Strangler murders now. Right. And so they informed DeSalvo that the only defense they had for him for these green man crimes was insanity. And they were not going to be trying to claim he didn't commit the offenses he was accused of. And he claimed he just wanted to tell the truth. Right. So they were saying, we're not going to say you didn't do it. We're just going to try to make it so that you go to a hospital.
0: Okay. Which I'm sure he was stoked about.
1: Exactly. And getting him for the, the rapes with witnesses was easy. Like, they were able to get him on all that. Yeah. But the Strangler stuff was not yet solid enough to charge him or try him for it. They just had confessions. They didn't have any physical evidence. Right. Tying him to any of these scenes. And his confessions were shaky, as we know. Like, they sound great. and The whole
0: first part, I was like, how is she going to convince me that
1: he didn't do this? That he maybe didn't. So... The issue that really annoyed me, and this is just like the time, I think, was uh, they seem to be trying to get the insanity defense based on the idea that rapists just can't help themselves. Oh,
0: yeah, you know.
1: Like, they're just these roving things that we can't, you know, they don't have any self-control. And what are we to do? So an expert witness testified in his trial that DeSalvo was a schizophrenic. And that he, he knew what he was doing in order to get into the apartments, but could not control his sexual urges. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. No.
1: So the jury eventually did find DeSalvo guilty on all accounts for the green man crimes. Good, good, good. And he was sentenced to life imprisonment, but denied psychiatric help. Good. So for, um, F. Lee Bailey actually called this verdict, quote, Massachusetts has just burned another witch. Um, which it's like, I do not Not a great analogy, I bro. I don't think
0: so. <laughs> not Bailey. a great analogy. Fleabag Flea Bailey. Bailey.
1: DeSalvo was not sent to Johns Hopkins. He was sent back to Bridgewater to be incarcerated Whoa. and Bridgewater State Prison. It's, it's rough. St- yeah. Bridgewater Hospital was not a country club. No. It was a rough place to be. February 24th, he escaped Bridgewater's uh He prison. escaped? Yeah. I'll and when he escaped, he left a note for the superintendent.
0: And tell me what it said.
1: Part of the note said... Can you read it in his voice? Oh, man, this might be hard. You can do it. <clears throat> Sorry, but I feel I've had it. I just don't understand the law or people. I truly thought that I was doing the right thing by each day that goes by. I felt maybe I'd clear up a few matters. I'd hoped of trying to help others with problems such as mine. I know they will have oh shit. I know they will have orders to shoot me on sight. I'm only sorry that people would in our world don't ever want to try to understand what makes a person what he was. I don't feel I could hurt a fly. I can't understand myself, so how can I expect you or anyone to understand what made me everything I hate? I almost can't believe it was me. It's dark in my room. Signed, Albert H. DeSalvo. What the
0: fuck? (laughs) That was great up until he went, it's dark in my room. It's dark
1: in my room. Like, turn on a light. Now, those are just excerpts, so there could have been something in between there, but he did say it's dark in my room. Do
0: you think that he meant that, like, so metaphorically? No,
1: I think he literally was like, it's fucking dark in here. He was like, I
0: can't write anymore because it's pretty fucking dark. It's
1: dark in here. I want to (laughs) leave.
0: I can't write.
1: So... He basically also said at one point that he didn't plan to hurt anyone. He didn't want to hurt anyone. He just didn't want to die in there. Yeah,
0: wait. What was the part that he said, um, I don't feel I can hurt a fly? Yeah.
1: But you hurt like 13 old yeah.
0: elderly women.
1: That's more than a fly, bro.
0: Yeah, that's like the sweetest thing ever. Yeah, the most innocent. It's like, like Yeah.
1: Now, two other inmates actually escaped with him. What
0: the fuck? Where was everybody? They
1: all had stolen a key, which I don't know how they had stole a key, and Yikes. just unlocked their cells with it. Yikes. They then escaped down an elevator shaft with a pair of scissors and a pillowcase filled with candy bars, which... You're same. shitting
0: me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you talking about Albert de DeSilva or an episode of The Three Stooges? Is this, just, little, is this little
1: Rascals? this rascals rascals? Just or- to clarify. <laughs> Yeah, this is the little rascals hour. Yeah, they literally had a pair of scissors and a pillowcase filled with candy bars. Wow. (laughs) Because what else do you need in this big bad world? I don't know. What else do you need when going out in a New England winter in February in the middle of the night? Um, So obviously there was a huge massive manhunt. And when they left, two of Albert's brothers picked them up outside the gates. Oh, shit. They were like waiting for them. And so they were, like, planning this. Yeah. They found out that they had escaped at dawn the next day. <laughs> Phil Natalie drove 200-plus miles around trying to find him. Wow, because he was like, mother Because thugger. he's a badass. And DeSalvo actually ended up sneaking into a woman's apartment while she was vacuuming oh, and hid behind her couch for two hours. My
0: fucking yeah.
1: blood. And he didn't hurt her. He just said he took some food and left. Uh, later, he snuck into another home where he said a couple was just sitting watching TV together, and he hid in their cellar. He actually made a bed for himself and actually listened to the manhunt on the radio.
0: That's terrifying. So check your cellars. How'd your kids, How'd well, your Well,
1: he enjoyed a good handful of hours be outside of Bridgewater because the, now he escaped on February 24th. Okay. On February 25th. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, He was recaptured. What a bummer for him. And he was recaptured after he entered a clothing store in Lynn to make a telephone call.
0: (laughs) Like, who are you going to call? One of
1: the store's proprietors held him there and actually asked him. He was like, he called the police and was like, yeah, you got to stay here because you're under arrest now. Right. And this guy actually asked him, he was like, did you really kill all those women? Yeah. And he told him he didn't know, but he knew he did some of them. Interesting. Which I believe. That
0: is an interesting answer. I don't yeah. know if I killed all of them, but, but I, definitely I definitely killed, killed some,
1: some of them. No, he didn't want to go back to Bridgewater. And luckily for him, he didn't have to. Why? Instead, he went to Walpole State Prison, That's which is gross. also not a great place. No. Now, Phil Di Natale was still pissed because this dude, yeah, he's recaptured. They're calling him the Strangler. Right. But he was like, this fucker's never been tried for this. Like which he, is
0: aggravating. Which is
1: really aggravating to these families and to all of us who have, like, put in all this work for it. He eventually recanted his confession. Just took it all back. It was like, no. Nah. Wow. Now, in 1973, just as he was scheduled to meet with journalist Steve Dunlevy, because he said he was going to reveal who the real Boston Strangler was, he was murdered by a fellow inmate in Walpole. Whoa. It was November 27th, um, and he was found stabbed to death in his cell. He was 40 year old. At, he was 40 years old at the time that he was murdered, and he was discovered in his cell, in his bed. It was in the prison's hospital wing, and they found him at seven o'clock. Uh, he had actually worked as an orderly in the hospital wing. Uh-huh. That's why he had a cell there, and he was said to have died of multiple stab wounds. The medical examiner, Knowlton Bigelow, said it looked like he had been dead for up to 10 hours when they found him. Wow. So it was obviously the night before they found him. They think it might have been orchestrated by inmates and staff. Oh, shit. Staff is like,
0: we're going to look the other way. I think so. Yeah. Why? Because
1: it was under such high security. They were like, how did that happen? Right. But... Uh, so before he was killed in prison, he had become skilled in making costume jewelry and leather handbags.
0: Interesting.
1: And his stuff that he would make was like on display in the prison lobby, and there's pictures of him holding his like jewelry that he made. I wouldn't want to. He made like intricate jewelry. It's crazy. And George Nasser the the guy he originally, you know, confessed to uh-huh. said he called the his he would make these necklaces and he said he called them chokers and I didn't think it was funny at all. <sighs> and I'm like That's not funny at all Same George. Same. Now this is all well and fine and it seems like okay maybe so he recanted. They never charged they never tried him for it. We came up with all these things that say, you know, how he was able to confess all these details. Yep. But then in 2013... What happened? DNA happened. Dinner. What they were able to do was take DNA from Mary Sullivan, the last victim seen, because that was the one that they found, like, a good amount. And they were able to match it to Albert DeSalvo's nephew by taking a water bottle from a construction site, trash, that he used. So they did the same kind of thing they did to uh, the D'Angelo there and familial DNA, man. And the Massachusetts Attorney General Martha Coakley said the DNA finding, quote, leaves no doubt that Albert DeSalvo was responsible for the brutal murder of Mary Sullivan. And they they also, of course, go on to say he was, quote, most likely the Boston Strangler. Uh-huh. Now, they also were able to um because they wanted to confirm this they knew obviously that the familial dna is a great yeah. match so they actually exhumed his body what? and dna tested that yeah so they and they confirmed it I and love they said exhumed the body story right, like right. that's that's going they for went it. for it they went for it and they said that the odds that the semen belonged to a male any other male other than de were 1 in 220 billion So I'd say those are pretty decent. Yep. So now we know through all this that he was the green man. We know that. Yeah. We know he was the measuring man. And we know he at least was the one who at the very least raped Mary Sullivan. Right. I'm assuming he – I think he also killed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? But – Other than that, I feel like there was more. Yeah. Like, I think he he did more than just Mary Sullivan. 100%. But I don't think he did all of them. You don't think so? No. I think there was another one. I think there was copycats. I don't know how to feel. But I can't tell you which ones I think he did and which ones I don't. Right, right. Because I do believe that it make. Because at first I was like, nope, they don't change their victimology. This doesn't make sense. Why would he go from old to young?
0: But then the way you explain, then you it find out his confident.
1: his childhood, and you're like, he would start with an easier thing because he doesn't have any confidence, right? Inherently, so then he would get good at it, and he'd work out to harder targets. I just. So-
0: I have a lot of feelings about this case, but I have no answers.
1: (laughs) zero answers. A lot
0: of feels, no answers.
1: So that is the Boston Strangler. That
0: was gnarly.
1: And we want to know what you guys think.
0: H-M-U. So
1: Elena thinks, obviously, that DNA proves the Mary Sullivan. Proves he's a big skeevy weirdo, rapist, awful human.
0: In my gut?
1: I think he did a... a good amount. I
0: think he did them all. Right?
1: I, you think he did them all?
0: In my gut right now. That's
1: what your gut says say, right now? I think he did them all.
0: It's
1: what your intestines are telling you? Yeah. Yeah. I think he did a good amount. I, I don't know if I can say all, but I think he did a good amount.
0: I think he did
1: them all. Albert. Albert. You, you strange motherfucker. And stack in my room. Stack in my room. Like, now, and also, now that you've listened to all our parts... Go listen to that Stranglers podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I do want to listen to that. Because
1: it's great. And they have, like, way more in-depth. It Like, because I took a lot of their, like, a lot of the transcripts from there. But they have, like, way more in-depth, stuff, like, interviews with people and stuff. Like, it's a great podcast. So go listen to that. Now, before we leave, we just want to thank some Patreons. Yeah, we do. Let's do it. So our first... First Patronus that we would like to thank is Sarah Rushforth.
0: Sarah Rushforth, I would take you to Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, I would rush forth and give you a hug. Yeah. I would. Thank so you thank so you Sarah. much, Sarah. Uh, the next one we want to thank is Carrington Sheridan. Carrington Sheridan? Yeah.
0: What I'm in. a name, sis. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you, Carrington. Thank you, Kalissa. So hot right now. Kalissa, so hot right now. So hot right now. And you know what? While we're at it, thank you, Beck. So hot right now.
0: Beck as in, like, the the superstar?
1: It's not spelled like it, but I think that they're as cool, if not cooler. I think they're cooler. I believe they're cooler. Thank you, Beck. Thank you, Beck. Thank you to also um, Brittany and Brittany.
0: Brittany and Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. We had
1: two Britneys, so thank you to both Britneys that are so hot right now.
0: Brittany and Brittany,
1: thank you. Thank you. It's like, oops, I did it again. Yes, it's it's Brittany, bitch. Yes. <laughs> and thank you, Zaria Alina. Zaria. That's a beautiful name. I it went just to sounds... hair school
0: with a girl named Zaria. Really? It's just like nice. It sounds elegant. It does.
1: It's It sounds silky. It sounds like you're an Egyptian goddess. I bet you are. Thank you. Thank you, Zaria. Next, Patronus is Kelsey Largent. I like how you spell your name, Kelsey. It's yeah, it's pretty C-I-E. cool. I love a good IE ending. I love a good, unique name. Me? Spelling. Too.
0: Thank you, Kelsey.
1: Kelsey, thank you. And the last one we are going to thank tonight is Kendra Dalcanton. Del-
0: Kendra Dalcanton. Kendra was my favorite on The Girls Next Door, and I bet you're my favorite
1: in life. We really took it back with that one. Sure did. Thank you, Kendra, for taking us back to (laughs) that. Thank you, Kendra, and every Patronus out there. Thank you so much to all our Patronuses. You are beautiful. You are lovely. And... You are getting a bonus episode this week, this weekend. Well, I was going to (laughs) say. So look out for it this weekend.
0: Keep your eyes peeled. And we
1: will let you know when it drops in your Patreon account.
0: And in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at...
1: Bustin'
0: Strangler. Nope. Wrong. Morbid Podcast. I was just reading the thing on it. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at... (laughs)
1: Morbid Podcast.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at... Amorbid Podcast. You could join our Facebook group.
1: Morbid colon A True Crime Podcast. Unless
0: you're Elena's husband, in which case you can't. Because <laughs> <laughs> John got denied from the Facebook group and it was funny. Keep denying him, it's great. <laughs> um, you can also send us a Gmail. Uh, morbidpodcast at gmail.com. Donate to the Patreon if you're feeling so inclined. Patreon.com slash... Morbid Podcast. Check out the website that Elena designed. I did. Morbidpodcast.com We hope you keep listening. And we hope you keep keep it weird. weird. But not so weird that you admit to being the Boston Strangler, but really you're not the Boston Strangler and you really just like to wear green and you know it's Dak in your room. (laughs) 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 Bye.
1: Oh, it's so Dak.
0: It's Dak in here. So Dak. Bye. Dak. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.